I have a motto. I drink, I eat and drink no for breakfast. <laughs> Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve... Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety Program. I am Michael Duncan, joined here by my co-host, Comfortably Smug and Josh Holmes. And what the hell was that? Oh. She was honest for a second. She was like, so, so I drink, and <laughs> then it all went downhill. Well, that's the first time I've heard that. Uh, what was she getting at? Like what she I, usually you kind of screw up a phrase or something, but that I don't even know where I mean, that it's, was headed. It's a tough situation. So you know, we pretty much, you know, know there's one member of this administration that has dementia. But are we looking at like the entire <laughs> ticket? Well, so it's like you know, I think she's trying to say like you know she's tough and she can overcome all these you know hurdles from. Is she I, like I, I, what? I, I, I didn't get I, that I, I at drink, all. I eat. Is she smelling toast? Like, are we seeing a stroke like live oh, in progress? Geez. You know what it is. I, what I think it actually is is Kamala Harris, and we saw this in the Dem primary, right? Like, she's overcoached. She gets set yeah. up with these zingers, and she can never deliver she them. She can't because she is not an authentic human being. Well, and the, and the zingers, she works her way through her program basically by winging the arms. Mm. Yeah, you seen the arm wing? Oh videos? yeah, yeah. And so a zinger, you can't give it a good wing. Right, right. So she just has to go no wing, and I think that's what you get. She <laughs> like it, it, she is. Like I'd, I'd say, probably like worse than Mitt Romney in terms of like being stiff. Not you know, you know what I mean. Like she cannot land a joke. She can't relate to people. She's got a severe likability problem. Like everyone, I've never met be anyone. Honest. I've never met anyone who has the capability of being like a fairly articulate person like she is, mm -hmm. who's less likable. Yeah. Like I, you know, I mean, she she. You see her on stage and she speaks and you're like, okay, well, you know, I guess what, I know where she's going. Nobody likes it. I wonder if it's because she's not allowed to be herself. Because if I if I met Kamala, I'd be like, okay, I want to hear stories about you locking people up. You know what I mean? I yeah. bet she'd be thrilled. I bet she'd be. She'd thrilled. be like, yeah, we threw these kids in jail. That that was great. She's like DAA. What's up? Yeah, but she can't she can't talk about that. She has to talk about like I I wake up I eat no like what is she talking about? I don't know. I don't know. But we have a nice program. Today. Excellent program. Today. We have a great program. We have a great interview. Ileana Johnson, editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon. Well, I'm. I, this is an exciting interview. You know, she's a Minnesota native. She is. And uh, and she's she's been, sort of her family's been a power player in Minnesota politics for a long time, but she is smart as a whip. Um, and her dad uh, started Powerline Blog. Yeah. Um, which you may recall... Uh, was critical in Rathergate. Remember Rathergate? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh, good, good stuff. Good callback. Where remind um, the folks at home? Yeah, Rathergate was was when Dan Rather was um, basically saying that George W. Bush had you know gotten got his way out of you know fighting through these you know basically his political connections with the Texas Air National Guard. Yeah, it's a Vietnam thing. Yeah, yeah. And you know Rather had these documents you know purporting to to show that that bush had you know that a thumb had been put on the scale for for bush uh well those documents were fake yeah and he, he, it was he, one of the like 
first examples of, of serious fake news because this is coming from a very respect, you know, the CBS. Well, what, right. what, what was the first example of in my memory? Maybe there were ones before this, but it was the first example in my memory of the online alternative media right. universe. And that's holding the, the right. mainstream media accountable. And that's why I bring point. it up, because I think what what she's trying to do is is similar. And that is, you know, basically, um, you know, show people how the sausage is made in mainstream media and and what you know alternative or conservative media can do to to shine a light on the stories that the mainstream media won't touch yeah so it's good she's great stick around for that great stuff you know fellas before we get into it i just gotta say we all watched football together on, on we sunday did. yes good, good, good games i feel like we need to games. just do this uh we just need to watch well maybe we should do a program watching football uh because gosh i had a great time yeah i mean that detroit game the way it started off where the, where first off you know they haven't won a game this season they're playing the rams yeah doing you know pretty good this season and they get a touchdown and, and instantly fake it yeah yeah they it's had the, the outside kick and a fake punt and all that stuff and we were laying laying odds on all of yeah that. i mean well because the lions were getting 16 yeah. Um, and Jared Goff playing against his former team, the the Rams. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. So, we, you know, we, we put money on the Lions. I it, feel like after our performance, we may have to provide some sports betting tips. I uh, think so. Also, also a tip for our listeners, and we discussed this yesterday too, but um, our, our new thing is going to be what I call the solidarity parlay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like this. Solidarity parlay. Uh, you got buddies who've got, you know, favorite teams. Uh, you don't all root for the same team. If you're going to go to a watch party, everybody, you know, puts out five bucks, 10 bucks on a parlay of everybody's team. That's a great idea. Right. So, so, so maybe it's like a three way, four way parlay. You got five bucks, 10 bucks on it, just straight money line. But you know, you're looking at maybe winning a hundred bucks, 200 bucks off something like that. And it puts everybody in the room the on, for on the same, same but yes it's brilliant it's a brilliant move we, we're definitely going to do that um all right I, I apologize for being the broncos fan <laughs> just like well it is it is going to throw a little <laughs> wrench into it uh but you know it is what it is it's neat it's not the Bengals guy the Bengals guy is pulling his own way yeah right yeah um all right let's get to the five stars you guys check take a look at the five stars this one this was week? great this one was great go ahead smug so it says uh the title is perfect combination of candy and vegetables this is from Tracy in St. Petersburg, Florida. Awesome town. Ruthless fills of a huge void in conservative media by providing hilarious observations of the current political landscape in a way we've been craving for years. Real Republicans I know aren't nerds wearing ill-fitting uh, pleated pants. That's beautiful. But the uh, true American patriots who just want the government to protect our borders and get out of the way as we build our businesses and send our kids to school. Amen. Ruthless shines a light on the West Wing fantasy liberals live in and continually points out its absurdity in the funniest way possible with hilarious games and theme songs. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I have more hope for the future of America as I remember there are people who have the common sense to think beyond the brainworm takes of Twitter for what is best for this country. Can't wait for the 2022 yes. Red Wave. Yes. I mean, that is it. Like, that's the whole message. That's it. Right she there. got it. She hammered it. That's exactly right. Well, look. Let's start with the idiocy. I Bingo. mean, for, this okay. is stunning idiocy too. So, I, not everybody's going to follow this like we do, but but the, all the machinations of Democrats trying to bring something into the finish line on this three and a half trillion dollar freaking boondoggle mm -hmm. um, has has required them to adjust tax like 
seven different times. Yeah. And it's always terrible. It gets bad to worse. This latest one is just unbelievable. The Dems came up with an idea where they're going to tax money you haven't made yet. Can you think, like, this is, that's seriously the plan. This is the uh, investment. Yeah. 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 So typically the way it works is when you have investment income and you've realized the gains, you sell whatever investment you've got, then you pay taxes upon it. Right, because you have money at that point. Like, let's say you buy share of ABC Company. And then you sell it and you make 10 bucks. Okay, well, then you can be taxed on that because you sold it. Right. Right, right you have the money. Now they're like, well, the stock went up and we're going to start, <laughs> like, it, we're going to start taxing you right now. No, it, it, is the government going to send me a check when the stock goes down? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the beauty of it, is that they just want to hit you. Like, they're going to turn everyone's retirement accounts into their ATMs for all this crazy garbage that they have planned. Because think about it, your 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 you know the funds, the mutual funds, the index funds, whatever you have in your retirement account, is basically going to turn into a piggy bank for these folks. Where they're like, oh, unrealized gains. You've been saving money for twenty years. You've been doing the right things. You're trying to retire. Guess what, buddy? We got to pay for this crazy We're garbage. Taking it We're just going to take it. Unrealized gains. It comes from this basic view that Democrats have. That all money is their money. Right. Yes. Right. Right. That's correct. That anything that happens, any commerce in this country that happens at all is theirs. And you just kind of kind of have to take a part of it. Right. No matter what decision you made to get it, working hard, investing correctly, putting stuff away in a retirement account, all those things. None of that matters to them. I like this because it's basically like the government taxation version of like compounding interest. Like they figured out like, a way yeah, to yeah. constantly go back to you and take the same dollar over and over and, and over again. And, and what shocked me is of all the people who should know better, Janet Yellen is the one who brought this up. She should know better. She knows how the market works. She knows what's going to happen when people see, you know, if, if a company stock starts getting hot, if it goes up like Apple, the shares, people would have started selling because they don't want to pay taxes on that. Well, they're going to crash gonna, the if they pass this the thing, thing. They're going to crash the damn, damn economy that's, at the end of the year. That's the thing. They like she should know better. I'm. I feel like it, you know things are so bad over there in the Biden camp that they're trotting out anyone with any credibility to try to salvage and do anything. Let's see. Do we have any sound from her? Well, um, I think what's under consideration is a proposal that. Uh, Senator Wyden and the Senate Finance Committee have been looking at that would um, impose um, a tax on unrealized capital gains um, on liquid assets. <laughs> she should know better because this is this is crazy. This is this is like you know Venezuela. They're 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 just seizing assets. That's all this is. Unrealized gains is seizing assets. It, it totally is. As an aside. Um, one of my favorite uh, pronunciations of words that shows aristocracy is finance. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like smug when he says Peloton. Yeah, well, not is, Peloton. It, it is finance. That's the correct. Oh, point. finance. It is. Oh, it's finance. It's yeah. the Senate Finance Committee. <laughs> I mean, okay. uh, if you ask me, it is. Yeah, no, no, it's very much up your alley. You're a finance guy, yep, unquestionably, unquestionably. Well, we, while they're trying to do this. Uh, Everything's going up. That's the thing. Everything's going up, right? They're trying to confiscate all the cash anywhere in this country, no matter where it goes. At the same time, their bungled, dumbass economic policies has made everything go through the frickin' roof. The Wall Street Journal had this story about propane. Did you see this? Yeah. 
And this is, you know, we warned everyone about this and, and everyone, you know, please pay attention because this is going to be a huge problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. But also they get back to your grill dads, pal. Yeah, I mean, uh, like they say, exports have drained domestic supply ahead of the heating season and prices have surged. All manner of heating fuels are heading into winter at their highest price prices in years and could climb more if the weather, weather is cold. But propane is expected to take the biggest bite out of household budgets. Yeah, those are our grill dads. Those are your grill dads. You know, they're wearing the new balances. <laughs> Got some grass stains on them because they've been cut in the yard. And they just want to fire up some burgers, some dogs, maybe maybe some ribs. And, uh, and propane's through the roof. I mean, this is legit salt of the earth. Like, at this point, probably 70 to 80% of the people I hang out with, like, fit into this. Oh, yeah. New balance dads who are not going to be happy about this propane prices going up. Nope. Well, like, look, just speaking as a dad, uh, you know, you you have your small moments of victory in your weekend. <laughs> you know, especially when you have kids and you've got a lot of responsibilities and things you have to do. That hour of yeah. peace and solitude of curing, grilling, smoking yeah. meats mm. and providing it mm-hmm. is bliss. It's bliss. You have yourself a bourbon. Yeah. Maybe a cigar. Yeah. You're sitting out wherever you're sitting out Yeah, by yourself with quiet. And without exception, like everyone's wife is so thrilled. They're like, oh, his new hobby is is cooking meat for oh, he's family. Making food. Like he just right. makes the food. Right. He's super into it. But like it. propane is like basically the grill dad, you know, version of the Boston Tea Party. Oh, yeah. You know, it's well, like they, this no. is our hill to die on. Well, yeah. we already saw that meat prices went up 150%. Yes. Yeah, it's right? insane. Chicken is up. Yeah. Everything is up. And now they're hitting you at the propane. Yeah. And, and, and the numbers is, you know, yeah, look the, at this the numbers they had is bonkers. So it says even if this winter is 10% warmer than forecast, those who heat their homes with propane should expect a 29% bump on average. The Energy Information Administration said this month. Under the agency's expected scenario, uh, buyers could pay 54% more Jesus. in the past few years. That increase equates to an extra 1600 bucks in the South, about $1,800 in the Midwest, and 2000 in the Northeast. If it's 10% colder than forecast, bills could nearly double. Oh, wow. So, man. like, the thing is, is that this is horrific, but you, it's compounded by the groceries cost more. Right. The gas for your car at the pump, you're paying more. Right. And that's if and here's the thing is everything costs more if you can get it. We're we're if we're like in Venezuela it. already. Dude, I, I filled up my tank yesterday and it's like Yeah, I got twelve your text and a half message. That was insane. Yeah, it's like twelve and a half, maybe thirteen gallon tank and it was fifty five bucks. Yeah, you had a nice let's go Brandon tag on I your, did. Yeah. I did. I sent it around in the group. Uh it's ridic- it is completely ridiculous. But I will say this about the variety program. We were talking about supply supply chains yeah. and inflation in April and yep. yes. May, yep. and then in August and September when it started to come fru- to fruition, everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, how about this supply chain?" Yeah. Mark our words. We're now talking about the cost of heating your homes. Yep. February or March, we're going to start getting like panic. Panic. Well, panic and, and, and and another proof point, kind of unrelated, but back in February and March, we were talking about schools and how Republicans should yep. run on schools. Lo and behold, Glenn Youngkin is tied yeah. with Terry McAuliffe talking on the issue of schools. So we know what we're talking about. It Totally. If you <laughs> live in Virginia, by the way, vote. Yes. Vote, and, vote, and the vote, thing vote, is, vote. all these are kitchen counter issues. Yes. Like, uh, uh, we got we got another note. This is U.S. oil futures hit 85 bucks a barrel for the first time since 2014. That hits, folks. 
that hits folks who have to put gas in their car. They got to drive their, you know, drive to work. They got to drive the kids to school. Those are the folks who are hurting. And then, you know, to compound this is another WSJ article. Uh, shoppers find discounts are in short supply this holiday season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, discounts, it's lucky if the merch is there. Right, the if thing. you can just get it there. Yeah. And, and, and like, you Sitting know. Sitting on a boat off the West Coast. We, we, like, like Holmes mentioned, we've been warning folks about all these supply chain issues since April. Now, you know, you've got the mainstream media picking up that this is a problem. And now everyone is already knowing, okay, it's time to start ordering the Christmas presents now. Everything's going to be in short supply. The buying has already begun. You know, you're already seeing shortages of, you know, you name the good. You name the good, and you already have shortages of that. Well, and it's don't worry. According to Saki, it's because of the the great right. economy and how we've gotten uh, how Biden has ridden the economy. What do you say? Out of the teeth, right? Out of the teeth of the recession. The economy's going great because you can't get anything, can't and this <laughs> this three point five trillion dollar bill costs nothing. And that's the thing. It's like that, like that. That is the logic of these people. So, so uh, it says the number of out-of-stock messages online is up 172% compared with January of 2020, according to Adobe. Executives at big box retailers, including Walmart, Costco, and Home Depot, said they wish they had more inventory to sell, but lack adequate supplies reduces discounting. Like, w- you know, we warned people in April there'd be supply chain issues. Mayor Pete is trying to use the issue that, like, oh, I was on paternity leave for two months. Okay, <laughs> We, we warned people ahead of him going on his paternity vacation, which somehow I guess paternity <laughs> paternity pat- vacation. Yeah, paternity leave. As a parent, I got to step in and say paternity leave is not a vacation. I can attest to that fact. I, I guess the Mayor Pete approach to going to like Chicago right. airport and then probably yeah. seeing a documentary. Right. About I, I didn't get to go to Chicago and watch a documentary about myself on, on my paternity leave. Bingo. I can tell you that. I, I feel like your paternity leave was about 48 hours, Duncan. Yeah, well, that's right, because Amy McGrath announced <laughs> yeah. the, the day before my wife went into labor. And, you know, we're, like, sending fundraising emails and putting up merch, and I'm in the recovery room with my wife. <laughs> it didn't last very long. It didn't that's last true. long. But um, they've always got their eye on the ball. The one thing you really have to appreciate about the Biden administration is they're always focused on what matters. Did you guys see that over the weekend Kamala oh, yeah. tweeted out the gender studies? They're like, so we are going to have, like, a, a gender strategy for America. <laughs> Na- <laughs> national gender strategy. Which is, which is what everyone, if you think about it, is, is very concerned with. Like, you're paying more for your groceries. You don't know if you can get your kid their Christmas presents. You can't afford heating. And you're like, you know what? I really <laughs> would like a national gender strategy at this point. I'm just blown away by this. Do you know what kind of a hole you have to live in to think that what this country needs right now is a gender strategy? And, and I think that's starting to, for me personally, that's starting to define this administration is their concerns are so out of touch with the people like Jen Psaki when 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 it was brought up to her at a press conference that hey prices on everything are going up treadmills like, yeah yeah she's like oh it's a treadmill issue it's like wow I can tell you don't do any grocery shopping and see that price for a milk uh, for a gallon of milks from three bucks to eight bucks I can right. tell you don't know anything about that and and you see that uh oh we are we're proud to announce a national gender strategy meanwhile China's got like a hypersonic missile. Uh, right. Um, no. Americans are, are concerned about the heating costs going through the roof. Nash- I mean, it's infuriating. I so I didn't. I I was watching football, so I didn't get a chance to read through the gender strategy. 
Um, did either of you guys take a look at it? I think we owe the listeners. So I was watching football <laughs> at yeah. your place instead of reading the national. Now, I, I feel like we owe it to people to go through this thing, even if it's late, even if we're like a week late. We got to go through it, right? I mean, can you, I mean, can you imagine what's in there that could possibly be relevant to our lives? That- G- gender equity and equality is, is, is the focus. Of oh, this. did you bring it up? I've I've brought it up. The uh, the subheader here is the Biden-Harris administration issues first ever national gender strategy. Oh, it's like a man on the moon. Yeah. It's uh, what a what a huge. We ordeal. went from the space race to this. <laughs> pathetic. Wow. Uh, to advance the full participation of all people, including women and girls in the United States and around including the world. Including women and girls. Women all and girls in Afghanistan, maybe? But, uh, but, uh, they listen. said women. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah. well, that is, it's, they identified apparently They didn't women. say like the W-O-M-Y-N. That's shocking, <sighs> number one. But no, no, read that sentence again because it's very telling. <clears throat> all people, including women and girls. They're not included in all people. Oh, is that, uh, is that that's a special category, okay. women and girls? They're going to be really surprised to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> my wife's going to be blown away that she's not included in all people. That's amazing. Wow. Um, all right, let's let's lighten it up a little bit. This okay. Uh, the next segment I think is hilarious. I've really wanted to talk about this. Ever this is your. This, this is, is your... a classic <laughs> barrel of the bat smug segment. It is. It is. It is. Okay, so we have a study, folks, that finds that four in ten parents would ditch their kids in coach if they could move up to first class. <laughs> just, um, I'm going to give just the facts right now. The survey talked to 2,000 adults with kids under the age of 18. More than 55% flat out said they dread the very thought of stepping onto an airplane with their children. Hey, you know, same. Uh, consequently, 9% say they would leave their child, regardless of age, in coach for free chance at first class. Yes, that means they would even leave a newborn or toddler no. with a flight stand. No, I, I don't believe that. I, I, I think I think it's it's all determined by the age of the kid, right? Like, if you've got a 14-year-old, really? a 15-year-old, yeah. Yeah, you, mean, let him go, you let them sit there. Right, you can go to first class. But if you have anybody under five, you can't do it. You can't. If for no other reason, then it's it, it's going to become a problem for you. It beca- Yeah, I mean, you're not going to actually enjoy first class. No, you're going to be constantly looking over your shoulder like, oh, Jesus, so, what are they doing yeah. back so what there? I propose is there needs to be a new kind of like TSA pre-check, you know, kind of situation where it's for, for youngsters who have demonstrated. <laughs> I can't wait to hear They this. won't like be loud on flights. <laughs> demonstrated. Won't, they won't cause any problems. Like some kind what's of the, testing yeah, criteria. What's the, vet, what's the vetting process If a child that? has cried, it's, it's like five years. You know <laughs> what I mean? It, it's like you get hit with insurance points. Like this kid's a wreck, right? If a child cries on a plane, number one, what are the parents doing? Why are you putting your kid on a plane? Oh That's such disregard God, for other people. A- now the child is crying and they're like, oh, he doesn't like his, you know, the, the pressure change in his ear. Why didn't you put your kid in a car and drive? Why are you doing this to us? Your child is Just not the public's issue. Like, unbelievable. We are not raising your child. It's the best you childless child. man, childless you know? man take no, of all here, time. No, here, I mean, I recall, so like, you know, when when I was a youngster, we went on numerous. Youngster. I'm sure you were a real treat. Sounds like he's 85. Yeah, right. You know, we went on numerous trips all across the world, and I knew a peep out of me on a plane, there's going to be trouble. Like, like you know, my, my mother and father didn't even have to look at me. You know better. <laughs> Nowadays, everyone just throws an iPad at their kid, and they're like, "This is your parent now." You know, watch, watch, watch your YouTube or your Netflix or whatever. I'm gonna go do what I want to do. I will say and that's why you get these kids like this. I will say I have a year and a half year old. I've got a four year old who 
he'll be fine on a plane. I'm not worried about it. Like he'll take care. He'll watch his iPad or something. It'll, it'll take care of it for an hour and a half, two hours. The little one is an absolute terrorist. Well, I like the little one. The, I the mean, little one reminds me of me. Yeah, well, so he, much. I mean, this kid. There is nothing. If I, it's the reason I don't fly with him because I guarantee you he is going to attack something. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no, there's nothing I as a parent can do to instill fear in this child. There's nothing it's I can incredible. do. It's incredible. He looks at me and dives off the couch. You know, it's like, I, I just, I don't think it applies equally. But, but here's the thing: is I think, you know. I th- your children are extremely well behaved. Well, that's extremely nice well say. behaved. You, you saw them on a good day. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're little angels, you know, having a great time on the trampoline while we're watching football. But there are so many instances of you get on a plane. I had I had an instance. You know, I'm sitting in first class and someone's got their baby just like screaming. It's, <laughs> and it's unbelievable. Like, you know what? I paid for a premium experience. I, I love I love when he says they got their baby screaming, <laughs> like they were shaking the baby, being like, "Make this hell for me." <laughs> I paid for a premium experience. Did you hear that? Yeah. If you can't control the child, it's not my issue. But you've made it my issue. You know. Let me. Let That's me. That's the problem here. Let, let, let me. Let me tell you something. Hopefully, it, it gives you a little bit of grace for these people. Let me. T- nobody. No parent wants to be on that plane with that kid. But, no. But here's we, we the do thing it is, because we have to. Because they got to see grandma and grandpa. You, you can you can either get in a car or you get on Southwest. That's unbelievable. You get in a car, you get on Southwest. Like the zoo <laughs> <Get> on <laughs> The zoo is Southwest. Everyone knows this. Yeah, no, there's there's no rules on Southwest. So please. get in a car, you get on Southwest. Please, you know, the best jump on take. Southwest. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. All right. Let's move on. That's <laughs> Oh, that was good. All right, so um, if you guys seen this, Brandon's Revenge, uh, apparently over the weekend, the Let's Go Brandon that we've covered pretty extensively on the program. Yeah, has, F, F. Joe Biden. Yeah. It's, it's the whole F. Joe Biden. It's gone, it's gone mainstream. So, so for our listeners who are not familiar with this wonderful situation, there was an instance where, uh, you know, Across the country, F. Joe Biden is chanted. Whether you're a college game, you know, at a show or anything, F. Joe Brandon or, or F. Joe Biden is chanted. And some, uh, I think it was on ESPN. Yeah, the NBC Sports. Yeah, we've got it. We've got some audio here. Just such an unbelievable moment, Brandon. You also told me, as you can hear the chants from the the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back. It's incredible. So, like, Ashbrook was trying to explain to me, hey, let me just play the clip. But, like, that's the situation. Is It's hilarious. They try to pass F. Joe Biden as uh, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, so now that's the new slogan. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And and now this is very concerning to our media. Yeah, oh, boy. It's, it's very vulgar. Oh, it's vulgar. You have vulgar. to clutch the pearls. People are saying let's go, Brandon, folks. The Washington Post reports that Biden's critics hurl increasingly vulgar taunts. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. Mm. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> it's clear that after nine months in office, Biden, or at least what he represents, is increasingly becoming an object of hatred. Hatred. 
to many Trump supporters, the vitriol, uh, Trump supporters, by the way, that uh, it, I it's love nothing. It. It's, it's gotta be, they have to wedge that in. Oh yeah. Right. right. It's not like the 56% like of Americans who see right. this president is a complete failure. Right. It's not Joe Biden doing poorly. No, it's, no. it's Trump supporters that have, have it out for him. Because like, as we've discussed the the whole thing is they want to create an out group. They want to give you permission to be like, these are awful people. These are Trump supporters. The vitriol, Partly reflects Trump's own repeated baseless claims that Biden is a usurper. How? In in what way? In, no in what way. in what way does F Joe Biden? See how they quickly just like jump. Dude, it's garbage? like it's it's everything is January sixth. Dude, it, to them. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep going. Depriving him of his rightful claim to the presidency, <laughs> and partly stems from Biden's actions that Republicans deplore, from his spending plans to his immigration policies. No, it's actually that's it. That's it. He's doing a completely shitty job. That that is what we are pissed off about. And, and this, this is a straight news story. Yeah, oh yeah. This, this is, is straight. News. This is this, straight news. Yeah, this is not in your like opinion or like quote analysis section. And, <sighs> and what my take, you know, seeing this is that the elite media seems so confused how Joe Biden, who politicized the COVID vaccine, because remember. Kamala and him were both like, oh, I don't know about a Trump vaccine. He was handed three vaccines, by the way, before yeah, right, he started. And right. now there more people have died of COVID since he took over than under Donald Trump's presidency. But anyways, uh, you know, the, the elite media is confused how Joe Biden, who politicized the COVID vaccine, disgracefully lost to war. Because don't forget, don't forget how Afghanistan went. Yeah. Cratered the economy and refuses to take questions could lead to people thinking he's a garbage president. Yes. I mean, can you I got imagine? one more little excerpt I want to read on this, and then we can... Give it to me. The current eruption of anti-Biden signs and chants, however, is on another level. Far more vulgar <laughs> and widespread. I mean, are you having kidding it's me? So Far more vulgar and widespread compared to what? What? And here's, here's what I want to compare it to, is because we have the receipts, folks. This is from the, this is from the Detroit Metro Times. It says, Detroit's fuck Trump graffiti pieces will give you hope. <laughs> so when when they're saying fuck Trump, it's art. When right. we're saying let's go, Brandon, this is a shocking, Vulgar. shocking display of vulgarity. Dude, do you remember that woman who uh, who flipped off the Trump motorcade and yeah. they turned her into a national hero? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, 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 Stephen Miller, Red Steez on Twitter, pointed out, you know she got elected to a, a, a position in like Loudoun County. Oh, Loudon, Loudon, Loudon County. Loudon. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean t- it doesn't surprise me, but yeah, wow, it's just incredible. It, and uh, I mean to say nothing of the hats at the women's march. Right? Oh yes, absolutely. Nothing vulgar about those. No, so. that's not vulgar. That's empowering. Uh huh. And and, and uh, you know you've got comics who are beheading, having holding up effigies of a beheaded. Donald Trump. Well, you know, this could be interpreted as art by folks. Okay, let's be serious. I mean, it's it's become very obvious how much the media is in the tank for them, but that they're trying to say, "Let's go, Brandon." Like they're trying to use all their buzzwords. This is uh, this is treason, or uh, it's white supremacy. Well, they also cover all of this like it's a foreign exchange program, right? Mm. That they're like they're walking into uncharted territory full of Martians. <laughs> You know, that they're like, look at these people. Like, this is this is from Jessica Taylor. Oh, yeah. She tweets, oh, my God. She tweets that um, she's from Tennessee, and uh, she says that when I was home in Tennessee last month, I was shocked by the number of F. Joe Biden signs I saw in houses in the yards where children could see them. This is supposed to be the Bible Belt. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta love the pearl clutching. Like when I said at the same time, journalists were like, "Wow, this is incredible art." It says uh, it says F Trump. Everyone should see this. Meanwhile, like uh, SNL every weekend is pushing the same message, and they're like, "Wow, children could see an F Joe Biden sign." Meanwhile, like, have they forgotten about the past four years? Have they? And and most of these journalists that we have now are essentially just like bloggers in Brooklyn, yeah, who've, who've never left their bubble. Forget about how they were like, oh my gosh, George W. Bush is Hitler, and there's effigies of hanging him in front of the White House. Very normal. But, but come on, let's go, Brandon. Guys, you can't go, you can't do that. I think I think even beyond the hypocrisy of it all, these people are so stunned to find out that when you try to take their money, mm-hmm. take their jobs, shut down their schools, eliminate their employment, take away their livelihoods, tell them that the border is open. To allow legal immigrants to come take their jobs. Bingo. Like, all of these things, they're shocked to find out that people are angry about. Why can't they just be polite about it? It's stunning. Right? It's, That's it's their the point. Stunning. Why Holmes, can't they Holmes, be- Holmes, it's the Bible belt. Oh, it's, it's, um, you're, you're not allowed to criticize the president if you're a Christian. Oh. Of course, we can shit all over Donald Trump for four years and call him anything we want and lie about him. But heaven forbid you say F. Joe Biden. Because that would be beyond the pale. Quick, can't imagine. And I, and you know, me as a, a blogger in Dumbo, I'm not a Christian. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, I love when they but, try. But to I'm going to apply your logic to your actions uh, because those rules only apply to you. It's just incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just drips with so much disdain. I, I, you know, these people are incredible. So, just transition quickly to the border. Um, there's a caravan of three thousand migrants carrying. Biden for all banners towards the U.S. border. And right that is so telling, right folks. Now. So telling. I, You know, who would have thought during a Dem primary, if every candidate on stage raises their hands and says, hey, anyone who enters the country illegally, I think should get a wage and free health care. Yeah, we're going to decriminalize border crossings and everyone raises their hands. And then they're shocked by this. I, the level of out-of-touchness here is so amazing. It, did you guys follow this back and forth about whether Biden's actually been to the border? Oh yeah, yeah. That. Saki was like, oh yeah, he he, he was there uh, back in two thousand eight. Yeah. I think we, we have audio? some. I think we have some audio. Why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in two thousand eight, and he is certainly familiar. What is it? A fucking Taco Bell? That's the funniest thing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. She yeah. really thought that a drive was something that you should tell people. A drive-through. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll have the number five. I want the uh, the Mexican pizza, yeah, and a couple of soft tacos. He drove through there 13 years ago, and that's going to give him a sense of of what's going on today in his presidency. <laughs> I'd like the cheesy beefy burrito, please. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Some well, nacho he, he, cheese. He drove, he, he drove through the border. When he was on the campaign trail in 2008, absolute expert. I mean, I, I think he can completely understand the issues that we're facing where we have a record level of uh, uh, arrests, which means how many people are getting through that we're hitting these record levels and they're now marching with Biden banners. And uh, extra bonus, uh, I have heard a story actually about Richard Nixon on Election Day, crossed the border, got tacos in Mexico, came right back. That's how he celebrated his win. Isn't that nice? Is that you know? You are a Nixon man. That's I am a Nixon man. Top five president easily. <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys want to be furious about a couple of COVID stories? Always ready for that. Um, 
this first story, it comes from the Daily Mail. A father says the Florida school tied a mask to his seven-year-old daughter's face for six weeks of school. Said he thought she was medically exempt because she has Down syndrome and is nonverbal. So clearly that makes a big difference if somebody is nonverbal and they have something tied to their effing face. That makes me like violently angry. I mean... Who does this to a child? Jeffrey Steele said he was shocked when on October 7th, his daughter Sophia stepped off the school bus in Indian Harbor with a medical mask tied tightly to her face with a cord that strapped around her head. My God. Who are these monsters? That's exactly it. Who are these monsters? I want to know, you know, I, I just don't get it, guys. I really don't get it. I understand people process things differently and obviously liberals see covid in a very different perspective than those of us on the right of center but what ideology makes it okay to tie with a cord a mask around a down syndrome girl in order to what point are you proving we need the name of the person who did this because who does this to a child who does this to a child it's unbelievable Steele had assumed that Sophia, who's nonverbal and, and had an enlarged tongue, would be granted medical exemption, but the school had been forcing her to wear a mask for six weeks without his knowledge. Without his knowledge for six weeks. And that's a, also a lot of, of, you know, the only upside pretty much from this pandemic is parents are starting to realize what the hell has been going on there. Yeah, it's Ocean Breeze Elementary in Florida. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with all of this. Well, it's, I mean, it has to be an ideology. It's a, it has to be a cult. It, yeah. yeah. Because who does the science, the science doesn't support this. Like pe- period. The science doesn't support it. It doesn't. And the idea that you would tape a cord around a girl's head to comply with this. I mean, it makes me want to, it makes me want to like Kool-Aid man burst through the side of that school. Especially with everything we know now. And, and Marty McCary, who's been on the program twice was telling us about this, you know, back six months ago, but that you have an issue right now where kids can't process their classmates and their teachers emotions. Having a very difficult time. Like I worry about it a lot with my own kids. Right. Like, I mean, if you can't process emotions, if you can't read people's reactions, how do you develop meaningful Especially bonds? Especially if you're nonverbal. And language skills. You'll never develop them. Yep. Yep. And, and that's the other thing is, like like Duncan just said, the science contradicts this kind of insane behavior. Where you look at individuals who are affected by COVID, you look at individuals who are at risk of COVID, Kids are like the it's not last kids, person you should be concerned about. And to do this, I mean, it's just it's It horrific. just makes me so mad. Yeah. But as long as we're talking about science, do you guys see the puppy thing? I mean, this is also, like, I mean, this is horrific. I feel like Smug's got a lot to say about this yeah. one. I mean, I was, I was so, uh, a lot of folks, you probably heard about this, but well, I want to make sure, personally, everyone hears about this. The New York Post had this story. It says, uh, to uh, uh, or it says a uh, bipartisan legislator legislators demand answers from Fauci on alleged puppy experiments. This is this is wild, folks. 
It says, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is facing calls from a bipartisan group of legislators to respond to allegations that his National Institutes of Health Division provided a grant to a lab in Tunisia to torture and kill dozens of beagle puppies for twisted scientific experiments. And like when when I say twisted, I mean I mean I mean twisted. Like they, the, the New York Post had images of of what they were doing to these beagles. It says in a letter to the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, South Carolina Rep Nancy Mace and 23 colleagues addressed their quote grave concerns about reports of costly, cruel, and unnecessary taxpayer-funded experiments on dogs. According to documents obtained via FOIA uh, uh, by the taxpayer watchdog group White Coat, uh, White Coat Waste Project and subsequent media coverage from October 2018 until February 2019, uh, they spent $1.68 million in taxpayer funds. So it's your money. It's your money on drug tests involving 44 beagle puppies. Ugh. And what they would do... I don't even want to know this. I mean, I think everyone should know because the American people paid for Fauci to do this, put beagles, you know, uh, they, they put their head only in this like container and had, uh, starved, like flesh eating flies eat the puppy heads. Dude. I can't what are you even, learning from this? I can't even, what are you learning from this? Like everything, even. like Fauci's like, Oh, you know, we didn't fund, you know, any of, of, of these, uh, studies in, in that Wuhan lab that's now under investigation. And right. it turns out he did. Which is nonsense. Yeah, he did. The Rand gain Paul, of function. Rand Paul gain got, of function. Him, got him dead to rights on that. And then deal. meanwhile, like, I mean, I can imagine there's a number of scientific benefits from all the experiments, you know, that, that folks have done over the years. But, like, come on, man. Just just seeing how long it takes for flies to eat a puppy's face. What what are you gaining from that? Dude, I don't even want to get from into it. You know, I... I, I I bet this wasn't included in the Fauci documentary. Oh yeah, you think Disney? The, Disney I wish sponsored Disney, this one. Disney yeah. should put this in there. <laughs> yeah, that'd you know? be good. I think. What is it? What's the dog? Goofy. Yeah, yeah. right. Put him yeah. like head first in there, and Fauci's like, let's you see, know what? Let's put the flies on his let's head. Let's get Goofy's head eaten off and see how that works. Unbelievable. We got a Facebook update. Yes. Um. So you recall a few weeks ago we talked about Francis Haugen, who is the whistleblower that we basically stripped down in terms of who she's, who she is and who she's funded by and why she's doing it. Duncan called it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it all, it is what it is, but now it was revealed over the weekend that Pierre Omidyar. Oh, our old pal. Supporter from eBay founder turned tech critic, Pierre Omidyar. One of the like left wing dark money Kings. Yeah. And I'll just remind you, he's also the funder of Bill Crystal's democratic, uh, turn. Yeah, yeah, he funds uh, funds uh, his. Because no one pay for that. What's that bulwark? And no, yeah, but also the defending democracy. All those nonsense, like, nonsense, make C4. work bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the same guy who's pushing this left wing stuff is now apparently behind this woman. Omidyar's financial support, which is previously unreported, offers one of the most striking examples of yet how Francis Haugen's disclosures generated enthusiasm as politico reports enthusiasm amongst critics of u.s tech so that's the way they see it it's it's not it's a wag the dog thing right it's, it's been revealed it's been revealed we know what it is right right and they're like oh no no it's enthusiasm it's These enthusiasm people are now getting on board for the this big isn't win. a hit campaign <laughs> right and that's the thing is it's become so obvious because it's very clear that jack twitter you know the left has that on lock they're like oh wow 
this person, oh, they're, they're a white supremacist because they're a Republican. Kick them off. Twitter falls in line. So you've got all these boomers who are Republicans on Facebook, and now the Dems are like, oh, we can't let them organize. For God's sake, there's even parents who are, who are revealing all the horrible things that their schools are doing. We have to get these people kicked off Facebook. That's where this is headed. Well, that's what they're after. So it's a who's who of Democratic politics that's involved in this campaign because they just want to basically censor conservative speech. But that's the most it. obvious, unbelievable thing happened over the weekend where the Washington Post printed a story that was entitled Facebook Documents Show How the Platform Fueled Rage Ahead of This January 6th Attack on the U.S. Capitol. Okay. And they promoted it. They put money behind this. That's the key. Then they promoted tweet. Yeah. And I will, guys, just to clear it up for everybody, in the world of politics, you're not allowed to advertise on Twitter. No. But the media... Yeah, they carved themselves out a little exemption. It's weird how that works. Weird. So they are advertising this Facebook hit job Uh from the left wing Uh and and doing it entire to a universe we don't know. We don't know who they're targeting. They're allowed to do it. Campaigns can't do it. Politicians can't do it. But the media can. And meanwhile, ahead of an election, they will say, "Oh, you cannot report about Hunter Biden. You can't. You can't talk about any of this, which has been shown to be true." What it reveals is what we talked about on on Facebook last time, is that the actual shadow game that's being played, folks, is the media wanting to reclaim market share. That's Bingo. it. That's all it's it is. Market share. They don't care about anything. That's it. And it's all, but it's also ideological. It's the media. Well, yeah. The media has an ideological position that is far left of center. Right. And they want the only eyeballs to read any information to read it from them. And if but I those can, two things are, are related because if they, if they feel like if they can take down the internet, if they can take down Facebook or social media writ large, they control more of the traffic on information they control more of the info flow so it's commercial and ideological totally because we know that they're ideologically crooked right but if they can control the info flow by by destroying the competition they fulfill a, a commercial need as well it's just incredible it's incredibly transparently and, and, and transactional and if i could give my my like base takes it's important to remember that this focus on facebook instead of tiktok which is a Chinese right. social right. manipulation yeah. tool, which we've learned has direct contacts with the Chinese Communist Party. That's precisely what the Chinese government would want. That's what That's they exactly would want. What they want, dude. And, and TikTok is is probably um, the easiest way to m- completely melt your brain. Yes. Um, having seen some of this content, it's 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 basically like. Um, like financial pyramid schemes. It is. It's, it's, or, there's so many scams on there. Yeah. Or, or, or it's, it's, um, college it, chicks dancing, college chicks dancing or, or, or people with something to sell you that shoehorn their, their pyramid scheme into some meme format. And what's you know? really nuts is, and read the caption for yeah. more. <laughs> While well, I do this dumb yeah, dance. Right. And the Wall Street Journal had an article that if you use pro China hashtags and slogans, on your TikTok videos, it gets promoted. Oh, yeah, you end up in Discovery I tab mean, or anything. Think about yeah. that. Well, listen, it's not even the, in just TikTok. No, I mean, it's... You flagged right, Apple. Right. Which kind of hits close to home here for the Ruthless Variety program. I mean, Apple uh, had 
the Facebook whistleblower and her uh, appearance on a podcast in their browse. Browse is basically like like what they've pinned to the top of it, their app. Yeah, so so for those of you who, who don't pay a lot of attention on what you're clicking on on your podcast, you notice if you just went to the general podcast, just go to the podcast app. And open you're not going to see Ruthless. Then. You're not going to, you're never going to see Ruthless. They're going to have like five or six different yeah, New York shows. Times Daily. They'll right. have Pod Save America. They'll have garbage like this. That's, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> just what they do. But this one was particularly galling because the podcast she's on isn't terribly popular. N- no, they've it's got like, like five hundred reviews. Yeah, it, it, it's like it, it's a fraction of what we do here on the Variety Program. Fraction, small fraction, and yet it was on the browser. Like anytime you open else. up the app. It's there for you to click on. Like trending. Like this would be the place for trending content that a lot of people are listening to, right? Mm -hmm. This podcast is a C4 that employs the PR flack for the Facebook whistleblower. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Guys, everybody should know what's going on. Everybody needs to know what's going on. Like, look. Nobody was happy about the fact that Facebook and Twitter and everybody else banned Trump. But don't let that blind you from the larger campaign that the left is waging on social media writ large, Facebook specifically, to try to eliminate conservative voice. Eliminate. I'm not, I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic. That is their point. Eliminate conservative content. Right. That's what's happening here. Right. I mean, like, all you have to do is look at the enemies. And know what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And it's not for our benefit. And, I mean, it's another reason I was so pissed when that Haugen woman went up to the Senate and the Republicans were, like, basically... Just sat on their hands. And But, like, here, here's a defense of that. Content moderation and stuff. And there's concerns there. And we got to figure out... I get it. But, I, I mean, I Jesus. Think, in my personal opinion, I think that's ridiculous. I, I, do I saw too. this great take, which was, like... There, at this point, it's something like 50% of the world's population is on Facebook daily. It's a reflection of humanity. Well, that's right. That's right. And that's right. Whenever they say, so-and-so was organized on Facebook. Oh, this thing is bad. And you know what? They had a Facebook group. And it's like, that's society. Yeah. That's I'm, so, that's I'm sorry, but works. everybody's on the internet. Totally. So if you want to complain about the internet, maybe it really is you just want to complain about society. And here's the thing. The stuff that they want taken down from Facebook or, or social media in general, if you set it on a street corner, what, would they want you arrested? Like, what is free speech in our country? Well, that's now? what the point, the point is, it, it, exactly what you just said. Right. There is no end game. No. Like, it's elimination. No, they'll just push it further and it's further and further and further. And there's no actual principle there. No. It's just, we don't like this because it hurts liberal causes. If you said it on a street corner, yeah, we wouldn't get a cop to arrest you. But what we're going to do is run a pressure campaign against these social media companies yeah. and get them to censor people. And, right. And what I want to get into is like the logical extension of this kind of mindset. So, uh, you know, Merrick Garland, rest in peace. It's absurd that they drag this poor man. <laughs> through this. He said he will uh, rescind the, quote, domestic terrorist label for concerned parents now. It's, I mean, this is so absurd because when you already throw something out that, you know, throw something like that out there, you know what you're doing. Well, I don't even know that he's done that, honestly. The big news was the National School Board Association retracted mm. its letter to Biden, which the administration used to justify the creating of the federal task force to keep an eye on parents, right? So 
You recall when Garland said that the domestic terrorist label applied to these parents, they used that letter right. as the entirety of mm-hmm. their of their justification to do so. So the organization has since retracted it entirely. We've heard nothing from the administration. So, so I want to take that back. Uh, this horrible situation that the Biden administration has created of trying to use poor Merrick. Poor I mean, look at this. It's blown up in their faces. <laughs> poor this poor man. Let him have peace, you know? <laughs> they, but here's a quote. We regret and apologize for the letter, is what they said to the Biden administration. So it, here's the thing. Guys, it's working. They already got what they wanted accomplished. They're it, like, oh, any, any parent who complains about their children being taught neo-racism, hey, guess what? They're a domestic terrorist. The National School Board Association said it, it deeply values the voices of parents who should must uh, who must continue to be heard when it comes to their decisions about their children's education, health, and safety. Here's my point. We've been talking about this. A lot of other people have been talking about this. There's a lot of great parent organizations. We've had some on the program mm-hmm. that have been talking about this. Stay engaged. Because Stay engaged. This is a left-wing outfit that decided they wanted to contribute to an effort to, to label parents as domestic terrorists. Yep. yep. And you know what? Their absolute existence was threatened by that move. Yep. So they moved off of it. Right, right. This isn't victory. What victory looks like is redoubling our efforts. It, it's a sign that we're winning. Yeah. Bingo. But, but don't look at it and say, oh, gosh, well, I mean, these lunatics surrendered. No, they're going to nope. find another way. All it shows is they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Yep. Yep. You know, we, we, we have to redouble our efforts. We have to stay vigilant because these people are lunatics who hate us. I mean, it's clear. If you're going to go into the Justice Department and say, like, you know, spy on parents, parents? spy on so parents, nuts. they hate you. It's I mean, it's a simple. They, it. they, they hate they you. you. They 100% hate you. They hate you. And you know what? I think that leads perfectly into the next topic. Virginia is this close. Let's yeah, go. It yes. It totally is. There was a, a, a report out of the Richmond uh, newspaper that talked about the governor's race and said, that, quote, something happened in the last few weeks among suburban women, Yunkins connecting on education, jobs, and the economy. Oh! Oh, wow. wow. You think those issues are important? Oh! <laughs> it's not the national gender strategy? Oh, oh it's wow. not the gender... It's not the... So they've had Stacey Abrams and they've had Kamala and they're and they like sent the message to the black churches and they're real worried about like base democratic turnout. Yeah. Meanwhile, like anybody with a pulse is looking at this set of issues and they're like, holy cow. Dude, look at the crowds that Yunkin is getting. You know, I've seen these pictures from these rallies. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's happening. They had Barack Obama down there. I mean, listen to what his quote was. We don't have time to be wasted on these phony trumped up culture wars. Oh, he got trumped up in there. Fake outrage and the right wing media pedals to juice their ratings. Really? Is that what, is that what, because I got to tell you, it has nothing to do with media. I I know these parents, they live in my community. They're actually pissed. And also it's pretty rich coming from someone who's got like millions of dollars in a deal with Netflix like, has anyone asked him to weigh in on the Chappelle special? Oh, they won't, they won't ask him. Yeah. Guy's got a multi-million dollar production deal. I mean, if Nobody's he, calling on him to step down from Netflix. 100%. It's really weird. But yeah, I mean, to your point, Holmes, you know, I, I live in a pretty liberal part of Northern Virginia. There is one, one McAuliffe sign. Uh, one. Can you imagine putting a McAuliffe sign in your yard? Ugh. 
I mean, think about what a deadbeat you got to be. It's an advertisement to say I hate my own kids. I hate my kids. I'm totally down with the dude who ditches his wife delivering my child to go to like a fundraiser. That's what T-Mac did. (laughs) It's basically what you're saying is I work for McAuliffe or the Democratic Party. Pretty much. Right. 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 I mean, you're so pathetically cowed by these teachers unions that hate your guts and have mistreated your kids. I mean, I think if you look... My message to you, my 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 neighbors, people in our community, I don't care how liberal you are. My message is very simple. Nobody has to know. That's Nobody thing. has to know. No. You're going to get you get in that ballot. Pull that lever. You, you pull that lever for Glenn Youngkin. And then you go. You you go to your friend group and you say, oh, gosh, it's really sad about Terry. Lie. Yeah. I don't care. Lie. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Lie. Like, you're going to go out. You're going to pick up dinner for the family. Right. And vote on the way. Yeah. You vote for Glenn Youngkin. You go for Glenn. You no, pick up Chick Fil A. You don't have to tell me. Nobody knows. Nobody has to know. And you just let your let your family know internally that right. you preserved their education. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they've preserved your livelihood, and you've taken care of business. <laughs> yeah. Despite your family. <laughs> and, and you know what I love is this statistic. Uh, it says enrollment in Fairfax County's public schools continues to dip having now fallen more than 10,000 students since the onset of the pandemic. Parents have had it. And it's a bit of a saddest uh, statistic because what it means is these are people that have great means mm-hmm. themselves and they're able to go take them to public or private school. And, you know, people don't have, not everybody can do that. And right? that's why school choice is so important. And it's why school choice is so It should not so just important. be for the rich. It should be for all kids out there. That's right. That's uh, right. Sig- s- one other thing on this, on, on, on parents. Uh, that signal poll of the Virginia governor's race, which has it tied. Um, parents of K through 12 children, Yunkin 56, McCullough 39. Wow. You love to see it. God, you love to see it. That's so good. That's so good. All right. So we've done a lot of great, great work here. I feel like we've got a lot of meat there. Yeah. Let's yeah. play a game. We should play a game. Well, we're going to play Dem or Journo. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's hit that music. Dem or journo, 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 nobody knows. I still say it's just a little long, but it's a good theme song. It's, <laughs> it's good. It got everybody involved. I like it. It builds. Mm-hmm. It's a quality, quality song. Could use another verse. <laughs> just make it forever long. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we're going to play Dem or Journo. And uh, Smug, why don't you tell our listeners the rules if they're a new listener to the program? Certainly. So our judge and jury is going to read four tweets. And it's up to me and uh, Mr. Holmes to decide which is from a Dem operative and which three are from journalists. Quote, journalists. Yes. Yeah. It's very good. I'm ready to roll. You got it. Got it correctly. I'm so ready for this one. So um, Biden did this uh, CNN town hall. (laughs) Yeah. And he made a hand gesture. And uh, this hand gesture... Um, where the thumb and, and the index finger are connected in a circle. Oh, is this the one that we, Wait, we, that's we, a, like, we uh, investigated? It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, is this a alt-right it's white a, It's a statement of hate. Like, you've killed multiple people when you do this. We heard this a lot for four years. 
We did. Uh, that when people's index finger and their thumb touches, it makes a circle, uh, they're a Nazi. 99% of the world think that's, you know, that's that says okay, but the rest are journalists. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, so we have four <laughs> statements here. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. We have four statements here um, about that controversy. Oh, oh just that great. one in particular? That's good. Yes. Because it was so bananas. And we have to figure out who the operative is? This yeah. is tough. This is going to be a tough one. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. Statement number one. U.S. President Joe Biden's hand gesture at a CNN town hall in Baltimore did not indicate white power. He made the hand gesture while saying corporations pay zero cents. <laughs> okay. Statement number two. Joe Biden didn't flash a white power sign at a black man during CNN's town hall on Thursday. He was making a zero with his hand. Okay. Statement number three. A word of caution about interpreting that gesture as a white power gesture. According to the Anti-Defamation League in 2017, members of the website 4chan falsely claimed that it represented the letters WP for white power. Oh, my God. Are you guys absorbing all of this? This is... I, I, yeah, although I'm horrific. Okay. Statement number four. He dramatized his point by breathing the word zero and putting his right hand in a circular form. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're really having to say stuff like he put his right hand in a circular form. <clears throat> Can we just take a step back for a second before we begin this? Because there's just one thing I have to say to sort of level set here for for the listener. We spent... For years, when anybody's thumb touched their index finger, saying that this person was a neo-Nazi, yeah. alt-right, white supremacist, that we that the media primed that pump for the American people for four years, there was that woman behind Kavanaugh, who I think was one of one of his previous clerks, <laughs> who who did it, and they were like. There were actually a, there was a Democratic senator who said this was disqualifying that Kavanaugh couldn't sit <laughs> on the that? court. Was that White House? Was that White House? Because he's probably the nuttiest out there. Is that him? No, I, I can't remember who. Could it have was. been Kamala, to be honest. He was one of them. Anyway, we had we had the Department of Defense investigating some like Navy like yeah I remember a that. full and they issued a report a report on them playing the circle game yeah. Well, it's, now the shoe's on the other foot. Now, now, now we just quickly try to figure out. Not Before Trump was president, nobody looked at that and thought for a second that that meant anything other than like excellent or zero. Or okay. Or okay. Or so, something like, I mean, it's just like that's what it is. And then like if you're in Europe, it means asshole. That's right. Good it, factoid. It never, never meant white power. Also like when Trump gestures sometimes... Oh yeah, with the yeah he, he does he does sort of a circle with his arm, with with the index finger and the thumb and they, together. They, they love that. Yes, because that's racism now. All right, so I guess 
smug, you have to. Uh, I mean, I, I I'll signal. I already know. I right, think I know. I'm gonna this. turn away. This is my guess for the operative. Okay. All right. Signal that in. I'm just gonna go right to it. Yeah. Can I get Can I get a reread of number three? A word of caution about interpreting that gesture as white as a white power gesture. According to the Anti-Defamation League in 2017, members of the website 4chan falsely claimed that it represented the letters WP for white power. Okay. What I do appreciate about that one is that is correct. Yeah. That 4chan basically trolled American politics. Yeah. By American s- journalists. Journalists. Like, right, right. the dumbass journos. <clears throat> That this symbol was for white power. They just wanted to see if journalists would report that being a fact. Right. Right? The troll became reality, though, when Donald Trump was president. It wasn't used like it is now, which is, well, it's it's nuanced because it was like a false thing started by 4chan. When Donald Trump was president, it was like, it's on 4chan. These people are neo-Nazis. And here's my thing. (laughs) That's why my guess is that one is journo. Okay. Number one, because they tried to take the like analysis approach. I agree. To fucking pushing their like partisan views, and because they're like, I want to come to the rescue of Joe Biden and say this is this is you know 4chan trying to trick us. For the previous four years, none of no, them tried to. No, that was the source cited. Yeah, it, yeah 100%. What, what, what was the source cited for four years is now proof that it's wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? Right. Totally. No. So I agree. I think. I think a word of caution is the tip there. Like nobody as an operative says a word of caution yeah. because okay. they're not like they're not like speculating whether their boss is a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's just like, um, can I get one more on number two? Joe Biden didn't flash a white power sign at a black man during CNN's town hall on Thursday. He was making a zero with his hand. OK. Oh, that's a good one. So I'm gonna go with number two yeah. as the operative. Yeah, that would be that would be my second guess for operative. But I guess number four for operative. <clears throat> Smug guesses four. You guess two. Well, I feel bad about this one. I feel pretty bad because the production team convinced me to use exclusively fact checks from journalists on Are all four. You s- <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. They're all journos? Yes. All journos? That's insane. Yes. All journos. Number one is Reuters fact check. Number two is Politico or PolitiFact. Number three, a word of caution. Also PolitiFact. Number four is the Washington Times. Those were all fact checks that immediately went up the second that people mostly conservatives trolling this new normal right on Twitter being like, well, now he's a racist white supremacist because he made that sign. Wow. All of those fact checks immediately went up. Well, that's like so infuriating. Like we were, we were hoodwinked bamboozled, but in a good way. I'm so, I felt bad about it, but, but you proved a point. I think it was useful. You proved a point. So like, it's horrific. Like look how in the bag they are. It's incredible. Let's, uh, let's get to this this uh interview yeah let's do it Ileana johnson here you go i want to welcome to the program the editor-in-chief of the washington free beacon Ileana johnson how are you i'm great how are you thanks for having me sure thing um so look you have obviously a ton of experience working in media 
um, you know, Fox, New York Sun, uh, National Review, Politico, now the Free Beacon, and you have a podcast. Um, so I'm just sort of curious, um, you know, what your opinion is of, you know, basically the state of the media industry as you see it today. Let me talk just a little bit about the changes I think I've seen. I started at, well, at the New York Sun, I started in 2006, and I started at Fox in 2008, which uh, where I was for three years. I wasn't at the Sun for that long, but uh, I've worked in print and television and then online at Politico and The Beacon. And I don't think I have unique observations, but what I saw, I think, covering the Trump White House was that at Fox, like the hobby horses, media bias, left-wing bias, this and that. Um, at the same time, I think the Trump era, those four years, the mass kind of dropped. There was a plausible deniability for the media before that, but the Trump era made it such that I think both because of the hostility on the media's part towards the president and vice versa, he was attacking the media, that um, coverage became more political, more partisan, and that the mainstream makes fewer efforts, I think, to conceal uh, where it's coming from. If you look at CNN right now, like that is a left-wing television network. <laughs> and I don't think you would have said the same thing in 2006 when I started, but it is an unabashedly left-wing network. It makes no effort to include like intelligent counter arguments really on the air. And so, Going to the free beacon, I felt kind of like we're riding the wave here. All media is going to be the beacon. And I know these people are partisan because we are a part, you know, we are a, I would say ideological, not partisan. We are an ideological media outlet. And I know them when I see them. I know what the <laughs> Times is doing. I know how to do it. So uh, I, those, that's, I think, the major change, which is less of an effort to pretend that you're even handed. In fact, there's like conversation about we shouldn't be even handed. We should be seeking justice. Like that's an open conversation that's happening right now. And um, and I think it's useful. Like I'd rather I'd rather everybody be transparent about where they're coming from. Yeah. So I got to read this quote to you um, from Brian Stelter of CNN, CNN's Reliable Sources. Um, you know, he, he'll typically do on that show this big wind up where he asks a lot of questions to the audience as if that is a question and not just his opinion. Um, and he, a couple of weeks ago, he had this um, this quote that I, I really thought was interesting. He says, why aren't there mass American newsrooms dedicated to journalism from a conservative point of view, a reality-based conservative point of view. Why isn't there a New York Times of the right? Why doesn't that exist? <laughs> Before I answer that uh, that question, uh, Michael, I think it's really interesting that Brian Stelter himself is an embodiment of what has happened to the media. Right. I followed him really closely when he was writing at the New York Times, doing fantastic reporting about what was happening on the Today Show at NBC News. I read his book on the wars between the morning shows. Um, I was living in that world when I was at Fox. He was fantastic. Now he's like uh, a partisan corporate flack in the guise of a reporter over at CNN covering, he covers right-wing media. That is right. what he does. Um, and I don't think anybody, you know, thinks of him as somebody who's making any effort to present the facts even handedly. But what's funny is Beacon is one of the few places, of course, that I would not say we are the right wing New York Times, like we're 30 people. Uh, but when there is an effort on the right to do reporting and to approach the left the way the mainstream approaches the right, uh, 
these things it is tremendously difficult to get traction uh, in the mainstream. It does happen, but we face like major obstacles from from the likes of Brian Stelter, who I think are uh, consider it beneath them to dignify it when we have real stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, perfect example. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to Matthew Foldy, uh, <laughs> the series he did on Proterra. For you guys, you know, perfect example of a story that that you would think if these mainstream outlets are interested in holding the power, you know, the the powerful to account would be out there. But until you guys did it, nobody was talking about this. That's a great example of about the company on which Jennifer Granholm sat on the board. Uh, now the energy secretary, it does green energy has had a lot of problems and now is getting a lot of access to the Biden administration. This is crony capitalism. We would think this is something that the left doesn't like, but it turns out that they're much more interested in it when it's occurring um, in, and it, it's, it's bipartisan, but they're much more interested in it when it's occurring on the right than when it is on the left. Um, and the other thing that struck me is there's so much white space left in media because of things that the mainstream can't or won't really cover. And I think the best example is um, the, in my time at Beacon, I felt like the biggest political, you know, quote unquote, political issues of our time are not really in politics, what's happening in the Senate. They're politics adjacent, uh, these fights over schools, uh, what's happening on college campuses. Like these are becoming national issues that I think are driving voters. And in terms of these sort of woke culture wars, uh, the Post, the Times, uh, they're following the coverage of outsiders, of the Barry Weisses of the world, of the Washington Free Beacons of the world. They, at times, will pick up the stories, but they're not breaking these stories. They are just, they're leaving so much, so many really interesting and compelling stories uh, behind because they don't fit into the political framework. Well, framework. So, so help me help me understand that because, I mean, I would think, you know, what you just said is, is obvious to most Americans who who watch the news or they turn on CNN and it's the same thing on repeat every single day and they're leaving so much on the table. Yeah, it's like January 6th right, every day. Right. Every day it's like the January 6th commission. Well, like, but don't, I mean, I would assume these people would like to make money and have a successful media company. When you're leaving so much on the table with, with the stories that they don't write, like, what is their motivation for focusing only solely on, on you know, three stories every day? I think there are two explanations. The first is that um, there's a lot of groupthink. Uh, you know, I worked at Politico. Your, so your social circle becomes the Politico reporters, the Times reporters, the Post reporters. These people are all talking to each other, and that's part of what I found sort of unsatisfying. Like, I, you know, I was doing CNN for a couple of years, but I felt like, who am I actually? I'm not, you're not talking to persuadables or right. really making a difference. Uh, so I think part of it is like the the isolation and groupthink of the mainstream. And the other thing I think is that covering things about wokeism gone too far, like these things are happening at the New York Times and at the Post. And so covering the story like it is a story uh, it doesn't fit into like where these people are working. Uh, you know, it suggests maybe something is amiss with Nicole Hannah-Jones running the Times. Well, right. And it's, you know, it's you were said Barry Weiss er earlier, and it's something she speaks to a lot, which is that you know, there's some self-censorship that goes on now yeah. in our politics. Do you think that also applies to the media itself? Because they're scared of the Slack channel. 
absolutely think it applies. And I'll, I will tell you, I guest wrote playbook one day. I can't remember when, maybe like right before the new year. And then Ben Shapiro did, and there was a big out. Yeah, uproar in I the remember this. And oh my God, nobody, nobody can stand it. And somebody over at Politico said to me, you know, that the staffers who were in tears about Ben Shapiro writing for playbook pointed to me as, well, we didn't have a problem when she did it. And I said to this person, like, of course I didn't have a problem because I didn't say my opinions in that. And I'm <laughs> conscious of like, if I'm going to go into Politico and say my opinion, like that will not really be tolerated. But I am careful, of course, when I'm uh, doing something for the mainstream, like I'm just reporting the facts and there is a difference. What I'm amazed by is that the other people who say they have a problem with Ben Shapiro and not with me, like don't acknowledge what the difference is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so... I got to ask you a little bit more about Matthew Foldy because I look, you know, he's a friend of the program, obviously, you know, Smug's assistant and he's great, great kid. So how much, how much uh, is he getting from Smug's payroll compared to freebie? Like, what is the compensation? You know, I have no idea. Minion. I, I don't. Right. We need a beacon investigative report. That's right. That's right. Um, is it a 1099 situation or is he on the payroll as an employee? I want to know. Um, but I also want to know. I mean, look, the kid, he wears these ridiculous suits. I see them on Twitter all the time when he goes out to, you know, Mission Navy Yard and places like he that. He doesn't just wear them. He posts pictures of himself wearing them. Right. Very, he's very proud, very proud of it. I'm curious. Like, does he do that around the office? Totally. And oh Foley is part of a, he's part of a fellowship program or he was, and it was, came to the beacon on a fellowship. And he told me that the feedback that he got from the fellowship, which the, these kids bosses at their host organizations have to give the feedback to the head of the fellowship was that he needs to dress more professionally. And he told me, I know that came from you. <laughs> <laughs> but we were at an event that was like business formal or something and Foldy's there in his American flag suit. I was like, Foldy, I don't know if this is, uh, this is really within the definition of business formal. Uh, it's like he's, but, te he's technically in business formal. <laughs> if I had to describe Foldy in word, it would be uncontainable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why we love them. So, uh, on top of, of your work at the, you know, the free beacon, you also have this new podcast out ink stained wretches. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. This is a media focused podcast that, uh, I host with my friend, uh, Chris Steyerwald, former politics editor over at Fox, who's now at the American enterprise Institute. And the goal of the podcast was, I think there's a, uh, kind of a stale trope on the right about media bias, but to talk about media bias in a little bit of a different way, which is, you know, we both have spent our careers working in media, uh, both in the mainstream and elsewhere, to talk about how does bias manifest itself? And when there's good reporting, why is it good? When it falls short, why exactly did it fall short? And I think the goal is to make uh, interested people and consumers of media better and smarter consumers of the product and to be able to spot this stuff, whether it's with regard to sourcing or framing or uh, something stated as fact that is an opinion. Um, but we're having a ton of fun pointing this stuff out and talking about it. What's amazing to me is I always worry we're not going to have enough to talk about. And week after week, like there's, there's an <laughs> enormous 
amount happening in media to talk about. And the other thing I think is super interesting is that in the Trump years, we saw a shift from there used to be Brian Stelters. Now there's Ben Smith. But, you know, Ben, Brian, these people who covered the mainstream. Now it seems like almost everybody in the mainstream who is interested in media covers right wing media. Right. Right. And there's very little coverage or scrutiny of the mainstream. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do, too. Well, yes. So so these me- quote unquote media reporters have become more of just like a protection racket for their own publications and no, not criticizing the media that their colleagues do every day. But the right, quote unquote, right wing media that doesn't, you know, carry the same water. I mean, what, what I. What I love about that, and, you know, we do it a little bit on on our show periodically just because, you know, as people who've worked in politics for a long time, we've seen all the tricks, right? And, you know, the one thing we, like, I love pointing to as a sort of a peek behind the curtain into the way that bias manifests itself in media is the proliferation of this thing called analysis, right? Where where we're not doing uh, opinion journalism, we're not doing straight news, we're going to label something analysis, which really is just opinion news, but it sort of exists in this gray space that confuses most readers, then they take as straight news. And I'm just curious, like, what do you see as the most sort of nefarious, you know, use of bias kind of like that? Like, you know, what is it that you, you see most used that people should be aware of? That's a great question. The first is, I interviewed at the Wall Street Journal editorial page like 15 years ago, did not get a job, but I remember them telling me, and I know this holds true for them today, that that the best editorials and the best op-eds are driven by reporting. And what I think we see when you talk about news analysis, it, it is like opinion, reported opinion. Right. That's what it is. But it's in the news section, not in the op-ed section. Um, two problems that I think are worth talking about. The first is the way a set of facts is characterized. So I read an article in the New York Times last week that said critical race theory is the belief among, you know, interested parents and others that the country's racial history should not be taught in schools. (laughs) And it just seemed to me like the most tendentious description stated as fact of this is what the debate is about. Are we going to teach the Civil War and are we going to teach that the founders were slave owners or not? Uh, Which I don't which is something I don't think anybody disputes. So there's a shaping of the story and the narrative, I think, around false premises. Um, And the other is what stories are covered and what things aren't and what stories aren't story selection. Um, And I think we see that in the it's it's uh, it's like the Beacon and Barry Weiss and the Atlantic uh, that are covering these woke convulsions in the culture that the mainstream is missing out on. But if you were just to read the New York Times, I don't think you'd be totally aware uh, of the trends, practices, beliefs roiling academia and elite institutions. Yeah. Well, shifting to the fun part here, we have, you know, three questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, And I know you're excited for this, so I'm going to get right to it. Uh, Your last meal on earth, what would it be? All right. At the risk of disgusting your listeners, um, I'm very pregnant. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about these sorts of things. And lately, I've really been in the like 
bowl of warm pasta, like a rigatoni red sauce sausage situation. And then I have to have, uh, I fear the comparisons to Senator Tom Cotton, but I freaking love birthday cake, vanilla, vanilla (laughs) birthday cake, really cheap, like a Costco birthday cake. Nice. Uh, Love that. So I think those are the, those are the, that's the pairing I would go with. I like that. I like that. Uh, really carbo loading answer you've got gosh um that's a really good question you know i don't know uh sometimes politicians will come in with something like very specific and then sort of hop around to a few restaurants like where they live uh back home and they're like no this from here this from here this from here which i've always sort of liked um but you know i'm I guess for me, the ones I respect the most are just like constituent services, right? The ruthless podcast, right? Yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, question number two: uh, If you weren't in in journalism, um, what would you be doing with your life? I've actually had a fair amount of time to explore that, given that I didn't think I wanted to be in journalism and ended up uh, by in it by accident when I was like dumped and unemployed when I graduated from college, um, I was always interested in politics and writing. So I think there's lots of ways to combine that that aren't in journalism, whether it's uh, working in government, doing something like speech writing, um, or I guess what I've, uh, I'd be doing something more lucrative. (laughs) Government, Government, which is like the means to something more lucrative or just straight to something more lucrative. Nice, nice, I like that. Um, and then our final and most important question, uh, what, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And I guess maybe to frame the question more in, in a media industry type of question here, basically, you know, the thrill of printing the big scoop or the fear, you know, that someone else is going to beat you to it. It's a really good question. And I think my answer is the thrill of victory because I realized when I was considering going from Politico to the Free Beacon that I really like being an underdog. <laughs> and part of the reason I like being an underdog is that no one expects you to to win or to beat them or to have a story that everybody has to follow. When the Times scoops us on like Trump, nobody's saying like, wow, the Times beat the Free Beacon on that. When the Free Beacon drives news coverage, that's like humiliating for everybody else. So <laughs> I think it's, it's the thrill of victory for me and the agony of, or the, the, the agony of your competitors. Yeah. (laughs) The followers when they have to follow the little guy. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I think punching above our weight is really fun. Yeah. Well, we're trying to do that here on the, on the variety program as well. Um, (laughs) you know, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, again, that podcast inks, uh, ink stained wretches, Give it a lesson. She's delightful. She's great. She's great. And fun fact, she is Foldy's other boss. His part-time job is, you know, the <laughs> full-time is my assistant. Yeah, we got into that a little bit. Uh, you know, basically, you know, he'll, Foldy will show up with, uh, with a suit on to some of these business formal events or semi-formal events. But uh, if you've seen Foldy's Twitter uh, his suit selection is a little suspect. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> a little. It's not my personal taste, but hey, you know. <laughs> but they are doing outstanding work over at the Beacon. You know, they are holding this administration to account, 
putting out stories that like the mainstream press is, is like, oh, we, we can't say anything bad about Joe Biden. Yeah. And I've noticed, I, I'll be honest, I've noticed a, a strategic change since she's been aboard there. They, they go right at it. Yep. I mean, they, they are really aggressive at, at pushing their storylines, which I really appreciate because honestly, they don't go chasing like what everybody else chases. They're following stuff and reporting it out. Like their investigative journalism. It's really good. Well, and it's, 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 um, you know, she said at one point, and I, I thought it was, I mean, it's obvious, but it, for our listeners, I think it's good for, for them to hear it. But like, you know, she worked at Politico. Yeah. And, and what, you know, what she found was that, you know, when you work for a lot of these mainstream press outfits, you work in this insular bubble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you work at Politico, you talk to the reporters at Politico and at Washington Post and yeah, the New York Times. Culture. And it becomes a culture and everybody talks amongst themselves and so if you if you live in that environment, there are only three or four things worth talking about, reporting about, yep. thinking about. Yep. Right? Not not actually, you know, doing some deep dive investigative reporting on Democrats that is absolutely necessary. Well, it's great stuff. Hey, fellas, this is good. I like this one. Banger of a program, as Smug would say. And I will say it. So, <laughs> you know, great interview, Duncan. Uh, another banger of an episode, folks. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.